I do want to say like one thing um, that's really interesting about the whole boot camp thing that I had learned is um, there's something called imposter syndrome. So um, that's something basically that you can um, sounds really dramatic, but to say suffer, um, it's where you don't think you're good enough to, to enter, say, like a new industry. So you're transitioning from one industry to another, but you have this imposter syndrome of, do I cut it out to be a coder? Do I cut it out to be a designer? Um, but that's something that you have to actively work at and, and push away. It's just kind of your fear kind of taking over. Uh -huh. um, and you just got to work above that and believe that, you know, you are a good designer. You are a good coder or whatever it is that the career that you're looking for. Welcome to the It's Not That Deep podcast. I'm your host, Deepak Sharma, and this week I sit down with Sumit Sekri, a user experience, user interface designer based out of Vancouver, Canada. Sumit has experience working for various technology companies such as Apple and Shopify and has been immersed in the technology space uh, his entire working career. In this episode, we talk about moving to where the best opportunities exist for your career getting out of your comfort zone. We talk about pursuing your passions. We talk about um, you know, the power of boot camps for learning coding and design, um, UX, UI basics. We talk about uh, maintaining a work-life balance that's healthy. Uh, we talk about overcoming imposter syndrome, social media, and the, the powers of social media. Um, and we also touch on the fact that he owns a Tesla. Uh, we talk about all this and so much more, and I actually really enjoyed sitting down and picking his brain. Uh, if you're enjoying this kind of content, please subscribe, leave a rating, share, tell all your friends about it, and uh, consider contributing to my Patreon page. Remember, it's not that deep, and uh, please enjoy the episode. Thank you. Summit, welcome to the It's Not That Deep podcast, man. Thank Beauty to much. have you on. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's great to have you on. Um, you know, you're an interesting guy. You're somebody I know who's actually genuinely pursuing his passions. Uh, you would go as a UX, UI designer, creator. You got, it. you got it. What would I exactly call you? Like, let's elaborate on that title a little bit. Yeah, so uh, user experience, user interface, uh, designer, um, breaking it down even further. You're just someone who's creating, you're merging technology and with what humans want. So that's kind of what it is at the, the very basics. Right, right. Yeah. That's super interesting, man. And I remember um, on my recent trip to Vancouver, where you live, um, we actually got to talking a little bit about that and uh, why you got into that, and I found it a really interesting story. Um, so, you grew up here in Ottawa, which is you know yep. still a great city, but yeah. you you uh, you took the plunge and you uh, you actually left the city, which is pretty awesome. Talk to us about your experience a little bit uh, growing up here, what it was like, and um, you went to university here as well. Yeah. Talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, spent 28 years, uh, born and raised here. Ottawa is kind of all I ever knew up until uh, the age of 28 before uh, I took that kind of plunge and not only left the city as, as many of our friends and family have, but uh, kind of went all the way, the furthest you could go, I guess, uh, <laughs> yeah. across Canada. Yeah, pretty much. Um, no, it's, uh, it, was, uh, it was a hard and difficult decision. I think the hardest point was actually the, the day you 
are getting on that flight and it's kind of maybe the last time uh not to be too dramatic but the last time you kind of see your family for for a little while a few months or right. six months it's not like you just hop on a bus and go to vancouver it's it's right. a far flight yeah. like yeah so it's maybe a five-hour dri- uh, drive to toronto but you're doing, taking a five-hour uh, plane flight to to vancouver but um ultimately what i did it for was uh for, to focus on my career uh I really wanted to stay in the world of tech, and I knew if I wanted to grow in that space, um, it was going to be either Vancouver or Toronto. So Vancouver just came knocking, and and I just kind of took it, and uh, been happy with that decision ever since. Kind of never looked back, and nice. uh, to me, I think it was uh, what it's also opened up for me is the ability to now be okay with relocating anywhere, and and nothing is really that permanent. Um, you can always change your mind and and go back to where you want you can go back home um but it's just kind of you become comfortable and you appreciate being uncomfortable i guess right why vancouver uh i've traveled there almost exactly a year before i moved and it just blew my mind like the beauty of the city the mountains and the city and the beach all accessible within 20 30 minutes yeah. uh, depending where you live but uh it just it blew my mind. I actually went to Vancouver um, for the Ottawa Senators, um, which many of us might be fans of, um, playing the Vancouver Canucks in this, uh, what they call the Heritage Classic, and went out just for that, made some friends out there, loved the city, and beat both me and my, my best friend told, told each other that if anything changed in our lives, then uh, and we had the opportunity to move to Vancouver, that that would definitely be a destination where we would head out. That's awesome, man. I got to experience a little taste of that as well and what you say about the beaches. I mean, the air. Yeah. The air oh. is just better there. I got yeah. off the flight. I'm just like, am I just like, did my sinuses clear up? Like, is everything just a bit better here? And I loved it, man. And it's crazy that it's in our country. It's, it's here in Canada. And like, you know, what you said was really powerful. You get very used to Ottawa. It's yeah. everything you know. This is it. Uh, you can live a decent comfortable life here there's some nature here there's you know <laughs> got no part yeah we got a couple of hills and stuff like that but then but then you go out to vancouver and you just see you know you drive a few hours you're in whistler yeah next thing you know you know we went to joffrey lakes and and we got Beautiful to do a little, little hike there and see the the glaciers melt and then the mountain backdrop and all this like i just find everyone in vancouver is just more active a little bit more outdoorsy a little less you know i just want to stay inside and that's not only product of the weather and what the city is but i just think like the way the city's set up like i never saw bike infrastructure like that like you can comfortably get by living in that city with just your bike right I just I loved the city. It was great. The, my beef, my only beef with yeah. Vancouver, the lack of uh, rideshare. There's yeah. no like Uber or Lyft. Yeah. And that pissed me off. I'm not gonna lie. I was I was upset. I'm like, man, we we actually have to hail down a cab. What is this like 2005? Like, what are we doing? They, they said it's coming. <laughs> They've been promising that for for years, and uh, it's fair criticism yeah. for sure. That was my only beef. It was annoying waiting for like you. You'd call a cab and it would come in like 15, 20 minutes yeah. or not. It might just yeah. not. Or you'd hail one down and they'd just laugh at you and keep driving. Uber, <laughs> Uber and Lyft to, to us is like the old train to Ottawa. Uh, it's coming. Yeah. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. So. Yeah, but I think we just officially got it. And I'm not even sure if, if, that's, if yeah. that's legit. I won't be riding it. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about your path to where you got to 
how how you got to where you are today. Yeah. Uh, you know, you talk about um, studying in uh, university at the University of Ottawa. What did you take, and how did you get yeah. to where you are today? So I think, uh, as as many of us, at least like in the South Asian community, we we get a lot of direction from maybe um, you know who is our guidance to start with, but our parents. And uh, so I started in finance, um, or accounting and finance, I should say, and, and kind of made the switch to, to finance partway through. But um, I definitely enjoyed numbers, and there was uh, some level of interest in, in business for sure. Um, but something that I think I, I did myself, which, which I ignored, was um, where my real passion was. But I would say to that point, um, when we're at the age of 18, 19, we're still discovering kind of uh, what we really want to do kind of where we're at we don't really understand what where we're going to go in the world um so graduated from there um i was working at um at the rideau center apple um just down the street from university of ottawa but uh i kind of got my first career break we could say um when i got a job in tech so i actually worked in customer support to start um but within there kind of kept true and kept practicing what i really wanted to do at the time was uh learning how to build websites, learning code. I had a friend in, in university. We had a big eight-hour gap between um, one of our classes. So we had a morning class and a late-night class. Spent the time in between rather than taking that bus all the way home and the bus all the way back. <laughs> yeah. um, just learned uh, how to code a little bit and then uh, kept moving on that passion. So eventually moved into a development job. Um, and that was kind of just did that up until uh, I eventually moved to, to Vancouver and continued pursuing um my passion. So I actually went back to school at the age of uh, 28 and uh, took what um, a lot of bigger cities are now starting to offer. And I think Ottawa has that opportunity now too, our boot camp. So really fast paced, very intensive, um, but just a quicker turnaround time than than um, the typical university education. Right. And uh, so you're able to get into a brand new career much quicker. And it's kind of a faster-paced college experience, I would say. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack there. With coding, uh, what made you first kind of get interested in that? Uh, you know, I know you had that little break and you were kind of interested in the tech world already, but what was it that spoke to you about, like, learning a language of code? Yeah, so I think uh, at the heart of coding or even designing or most um, most problems in, in tech are problem solving essentially so at the heart of it that's what you're doing when you look at a product like Facebook or, or any software really out there most of the stuff is the basic principles like you're uploading something you're saving something you're updating or you're deleting something and you have to take those basic functions of a website let's say and you're really just interested in the problem solving aspect of it okay that's that's really what it boils down to yeah. and then starting off let's say i'm somebody uh in that situation and you know i'm kind of interested in this coding world and programming yeah. stuff what how would you start what what uh, programming language what 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 would some concrete advice for someone right. who wants to get into the world how would they go about that i mean there's so many different languages to to learn out there so there isn't one that would be say catch-all uh what i learned in school was the most uh english-like language that would, they would say uh is ruby and then the uh, framework for that is ruby on rails so that would be a good way to start if um you want it to kind of read simple um read most like english but um, javascript is definitely a really powerful and widely used technology today too a lot of companies are using that yeah. um 
but uh, looking for tools and ways to learn that. Um, there are the boot camp experiences, but if um, the financial concern is there, then I'm sure there's um, classes at universities, um, and you can also go on online courses and self-teach yourself too. So that's definitely a, a viable method too. Yeah. Talk talk to us a bit about the boot camps. Um, how does that exactly work? How yeah. do you like? It's twelve weeks intensive. What do the days look like? Yeah. What kind of stuff do you have to take home? I know you had some assignments while we were in uh, in Vancouver. Yeah. Talk to us about it a bit. So I've done both a boot camp in coding, and then I've done a boot camp in in design. Uh, there's also data science, and I think a few other disciplines as well. But um, what a typical day looks like. Um, usually they start around nine. And I mean, on paper, they say they end around five or so, but realistically, you're looking at anywhere, whether you're going home or if you're staying at the campus, uh, I would say between 10 and 12 p.m., depending how well you're grasping all the, the terminology and the concepts. Um, but intensive, it's it's five days a week, plan for seven, um, you know, maybe even call it eight. Um, there's a lot of work that kind of goes into it. There's, yeah. uh, you got all these assignments. It's really the project's that, uh, you know, you take them as far as you want to, but um, because you're usually taking a boot camp for a transition in your career, uh, there's a lot of passion that you put behind of all of your work, and that just is what's counting all the hours. So. And do you find uh, you're surrounded by like-minded people as well, and yeah. do you have to work with them a lot? Are you working in teams, Are you, or is it a lot of solo work? Depending on the, the boot camp and depending on uh, what discipline you're in, um, some of it is solo work, um, some of it is group work, but even within solo work, uh, everyone has a very like-minded uh, mentality, like you said, and uh, you're all kind of, it's a team game in a sense. There's enough jobs for everyone. I don't think there should ever be a fear that um, through a tech boot camp, are we running out of tech jobs because there's so many people getting into the industry. Uh-huh. I think there's work for everyone, and as long as you stick to your passions, um, you know, there's no problem in also helping everyone as well achieve it's- that. Interesting, man. And have you found the level of expertise with the uh, teachers, I guess, professors? I don't know what you would call yeah. them. Industry leaders. I don't know who's yeah. teaching you this stuff. Um, definitely it's people usually with some sort of uh, background. They might have agency or company experience previously. Um, and they kind of come aboard and, and maybe they have a passion for teaching as well. So um, in the two different uh, boot camps that I attended, uh, one had agency experience, and, and the boot camp itself, I believe, is half boot camp and half agency, so they have other work to do in the back end. Um, but in the tech, or um, sorry, in the development boot camp, it was purely just the teaching was their, their role. And um, so they may have started companies in the past. They either have worked at a company or an agency. That's awesome, man. I feel like that's probably a really great way for someone who wants to legit just dive in and, and, and learn yeah, something like that. Absolutely. But you know, it is a it is an investment. You have yeah. to you kinda you can't be juggling a lot of different things at once and doing that, right? Yeah. So while you do these uh boot camps and, and this kind of stuff, are you working at the same time? So I have heard of some people have part time jobs at the same time. Um I think my advice would always be to to have it be under have undivided attention for it, um, only from the perspective that it just takes so much time. Yeah. And not only is it time that you have to put into your actual work, but then you need time to rest as well. So your exactly. mind is working at its like kind of highest capability. Yeah, man. And that kind of brings me into the whole uh, we chatted before about your your big on work life balance. Yeah. Let's get into that a little bit. And uh, you know, in in the society we live in today. It's often glorified that, hey, I'm working these 80, 90 hour weeks. I'm working like a dog. And, and, you know, hours 
somehow equates to productivity in some people's yeah. eyes. Talk to us about your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I read a really good or listened to a really good book recently, and it's a book called uh, Work Doesn't Have to Be Crazy. Um, the name of the author escapes me, but I know he was a founder of uh, Basecamp, which is um, kind of a task management tool for companies. But nonetheless, um, the, the big message that kind of he was sending was it's not about 9 p.m. The, the night of, but it's about 9 a.m. the next morning. And kind of what that means is... Um, it's really important to put a good day's work in, but there's always another day and there's always another opportunity to continue doing really good work. And, and I think what um, a lot of these glorified 80, 90 hour work weeks, um, it seems like the work might end one day or, or we have to complete it by a certain time. But I mean, there are certain disciplines and there are timelines to respect for sure. But uh, I think it's, it, we should be proud of like just doing really good work and not always have to hit like um, revenue goals or or these really high like values for some reason. Yeah, no, I like that a lot, man, because that's kind of I think a lot more people are now recognizing that that hey, like I I don't want to burn out by the age of twenty five. Yeah. I I want to be able to contribute and, and continue evolving in not only my career but continue helping my organization um, do better in the long term. Yeah. But a lot of people and a lot of businesses are set up for short-term, you know, it's, revenue projections, yeah. profits. How are we doing? Uh, how are our shareholders going to react to these decisions? Yeah. We got to work, 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 grind, 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 hustle, yeah. hustle, hustle. That mentality. There's a place for it for sure. Absolutely. But, you know, you're not at the expense of your own health and your own, you know, being able to do something outside of work. Yeah, and yeah. I think... At the end of it, you know, at the end of your 30, 45 year uh, work career, it's you have to have something to, to show for it, something to be proud of, I think. Um, because at the end of it, one day, not to, to be really dark about it, but like we don't get to take that with us. So. No, it's true, man. It's not dark at all. I think people need to hear it. Like, we're all just going to die, and it's yeah. all kind of going to be meaningless. Yeah. It's not dark. It sounds like that, but man, it's like. It's the truth. It's it's just the truth. So yeah. do what you can, do the best you can, try to contribute the best you can. But just remember, have fun with this thing, man. I mean, <laughs> I think what one thing we we often forget to to measure, and um, you know, we spend a lot of our say early university um, age up until we're still trying to quote unquote make it in life, and we always want higher pay, and those things are all important, and they're important because it does cost uh, money to, to kind of pay our bills and, and live in life. Um, but I think once we hit that um, moment where we're comfortable and we have the money that we need to meet our needs, it's um, raising quality of life. And so even if you're someone who's investing money, you know, are you trying to make another million because you just want another million? We get too attached to the number, so when it goes down, we get really upset. But really, um, this was actually something from someone interviewed by Tim Ferriss, is if it's not raising your quality of life, then you're not really investing uh, right, per se. I like it. Was uh, was that that dude who wrote... Um, oh, man, I, I, it's yeah. it's not coming to me. Brown dude, right? Um, no, I think uh, you're thinking Ramit Sethi. I, I was thinking him, yeah. Because okay. he has a very similar concept yeah. in his book. It's like just trying to increase the quality of your life is yeah. more important than just uh, uh, trying to reach some monetary right. goal. Yeah. And that's not to say money's not important, but um, he talks a lot about paying a lot for convenience and certain right. things that for him, I would rather pay for someone yeah. to cook and prepare my food than making the food. Because yeah. to me, 
cooking doesn't bring me happiness. I'm not sure if he said that. I'm paraphrasing right. a lot, but just kind of the concept of like I would rather pay for my time. I think it's. Uh, I think that what you're trying to say is time is the currency. Time so is the currency. Money is currency, but time is as well for sure. And I think it's the more important one because it's way more finite. <laughs> it is. Yeah. 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 I kind of struggle often uh, going back and forth. Like we often say, life is short. But then uh, I've always someone I I really follow, Gary Vaynerchuk, always says life is long. So I think. Yeah. It is. Um, you know. 40 years to go or five, fifty, or, or whatnot is a long time but uh also time does like move fast it does yeah. man it does you always look back and you think oh my god i was just 28 or i was yeah. just in high school yeah. or i was just starting university yeah. or but it's very like, easy to look back before i forget the i just googled quickly the name of that uh, book's author is jason freed i think yeah jason so freed. if anyone's trying to look into that book uh but yeah man work-life balance super interesting subject uh and i, I want to kind of stay on it a little bit before we move on because i think the way the way kind of like i mean and you would talk about having south asian parents and you know preaching mantras of work hard work hard you must work yeah. hard and that sometimes you know can result in not the happiest career choice but chasing money more and yeah. you hear a lot about people becoming doctors and like oh i don't even like medicine yeah. but yeah you're chasing money and you know you could be making a lot but then you could be making horrible financial decisions yeah. life decisions health decisions i see doctors who are some of the most out of shape people yeah it's like this funny paradox right? yeah. like i don't know it's just it's just weird to me that um, a lot of how Western society is set up is like chasing these targets, chasing right. chasing this like success at at yeah. a cost of like your own yeah. personal happiness. It's interesting. Yeah, I think it's really important to like I was someone who who realized late, and I'm thankful for having gone through university and and studied something totally unrelated, because uh, finance does help you in everyday life, and it's really important. Uh, the number of people that I know also that work in finance or accounting, but also don't really have a good gist of how to work with numbers and how yeah. to invest and whatnot. Yeah. Um, it's kind of surprising. Um, or even just the youth. Like it's, I find it really strange that we don't teach saving and investing at a very basic level in, in high school. Mm -hmm. And we have these other courses. And like even in career services, I think was a course you just don't really know like yeah a lot of it we can't apply we're just too young for that um, yeah no it's uh i'm a huge proponent for that um teaching basic personal finance yeah. skills in high school even younger let's start yeah. let's start teaching kids how to open a savings account at a young age yeah. why not what's wrong with that yeah. you know you your parents could if you have a, a setup like this it's an assumption but if you have parents who uh, want to reward you for doing some chores and they match every dollar yeah. and put that in a savings account that they can $5. open up you could be you could be young and and open up yeah. a, a savings account you could yeah. learn how to you know the power of compounding yeah. um i think that's a very powerful mental model yeah. that i apply in my life that's not just um financial but the compounding effect, there's actually a book called that okay. short little self-help kind of book, whatever. But it's powerful because it just talks about how, like, you know, 
I, I, we know how compounding works, but you know, in in relationships, it applies yeah. to going to the gym. It applies to, uh, you know, just dealing with people. It, it applies to everything. Yeah. Like, and you know, the sum of what you uh, invest in, it's only going to snowball. It's only right. going to get bigger. It's only going to grow. Yeah. And if you can, if you can start these habits at a younger age, you're age. easing a lot of tension and stress later in life yeah but we kind of as a society are a little bit more obsessed with the inverse of that which is and and it, it might not be like in your face like this but it's like build debt get as much debt as yeah. possible and like oh why don't you just finance this car right. at this rate oh it's such a good rate zero percent one point two percent over 72 months like for some depreciating asset yeah. it's just silliness yeah. like i don't know we're not taught these things i think young. maybe yeah we're, that's like really interesting that you say that i think maybe where that comes from is like we don't like uh letting money go away from from our bank account we're afraid of also um you know losing it and i think that's why a lot of people don't invest is they want instant gratification and that doesn't really usually come it's no. it's a long-term game so if you promise someone a certain amount they would have that's greater than what they have now in four years um, they may do it, but they four years for some people is a long time and very long. And so, like, they want that instant gratification, and that's maybe where the car thing comes from. Like, I'll yeah. take debt because you're not taking anything away from me today. I get this thing, and then later on, maybe I'll start paying for it. I think it applies to so many things. School. Think about school, right? Yeah. I mean, we were all told to go to school. We all went yeah. to school. I'm not hating on school as a yeah. concept, but just how it's set up for a lot of people and in canada we're lucky it's not nearly as bad yeah. but i've heard of people down in the states racking up like two hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars uh for the chance to get a job in their field and it's like you're starting off life on the worst foot possible and people pe people might be paying that off their whole lives and like i think that's like rolling it back to the boot camp um kind of conversation we had like education and we just live in a different time and some some roles and some jobs and some careers definitely require like the the basic education that we've gone through like school um but there are other ways to to get to where you want 100 percent. and times are just different and i think we're just at that point where we're adapting to to different ways to get to like that career that we really want we are we're in a weird transitionary period where these traditional kind of systems that have been yeah. set up and ingrained in society yeah. for so long are kind of people are starting to realize hey this is bullshit i could take a mooc an online like yeah. uh, uh what's it called uh, what's it stand for like multiple open source course something like that someone's gonna have to now. check my shit but it's just like like coursera yeah. or one of these you can There's get so you could many. get a full education on some of these websites yeah. khan academy yeah. I was trying to prepare for an interview the other day and I didn't realize Khan Academy has a whole like career development thing and I'm watching this like 10 minute video on the best way to answer certain questions that like no one taught me this right no like I yeah these these like things put me through university which is so ironic like Khan yeah. Academy taught me how to do half the calculus equations yeah. that I needed to do to pass my yeah. courses in, at Telfer, you know? Like it's <laughs> it's like formal education's being disrupted for it, sure. It is, man. Yeah. I just don't know if it's if it's enough. I mean, a lot of the degrees I don't think half require you being present in right. a lecture hall for four years. Right. Buying four hundred dollar textbooks. 
all the, it's all just like, like the scheme man like yeah. i hate to sound like some conspiracy <laughs> theorist is like f the system because i'm part of it and right. i benefited from it right and i came out the other side yeah. but at what cost right right it's but i think it's um it, because we were put through school and it's kind of all we maybe knew at the time but um i think there are benefits like definitely top time management and just like becoming an adult and being an adult um and we're only able to understand whether it was good or not because I think we went through it, so we have that opinion. It's true. Um, so I mean, yeah, you can't really, you can't really say if I didn't yeah. go, I would have been better. Right. Yeah, it's like it's that, hard that, to test. Yeah, that. you can't really test that. But at the same time, if you're going on the macro level, I don't think it's for everybody. And pushing everybody down this path of just following this rigid structure yeah. i like i think people i think it actually should be taught in high school but it's ironic though because why would a high school teacher whose salary is dependent on you know people right. going into school so they have a job yeah why would they tell you that there's other things out there that you could do you might be able to start your own business you might be able right. to you know i don't know there's so many different options you might start a trade you might uh go into you know uh, college right. instead of university you might go uh, you might forego school altogether and just yeah. i don't know go to go work under somebody at some company learn everything from that person as a mentor and you might learn more that could be a way to i don't know there's just so many different paths yeah. and like i guess it's not really presented to us that way it's kind of just like this rigid go yeah. you're like a 17 18 year old school you mentioned that uh, you're a 17 18 year old student expected to make a decision oh i guess i'm gonna do accounting and finance like right. this is it yeah i mean you're given <laughs> you're given a booklet i think that has like all the options under the sun and and you're just trying to figure out okay what am i interested in and then you got to put the money forward to for the all the applications yeah i do want to say like one thing um that's really interesting about the whole boot camp thing that i had learned is um there's something called imposter syndrome so um, that's something basically that you can, um, sounds really dramatic, but to say suffer, um, it's where you don't think you're good enough to, to enter, say like a new industry. So you're transitioning from one industry to another, but you have this imposter syndrome of, do I cut it out to be a coder? Do I cut it out to be a designer? Um, but that's something that you have to actively work at and, and push away. It's just kind of your fear kind of taking over. Uh -huh. Um, and you just got to work above that and believe that, you know, you are a good designer, you are a good coder or whatever it is that the career that you're looking for, even if it's accounting or finance, just, you know, believe that you can do it. It's like the doubt and insecurity kind of creeping yeah. in and telling you, I haven't done this. Yeah. All these people have been doing it. Yeah. They're wired to do it. I'm not. Right. I'm stepping into this thing. This wired yeah. thing is I'm, I'm, I'm bouncing with this idea yeah. myself in my head because I don't think I'm a conversationalist. I never thought of myself as somebody to sit down on a podcast right. and have chats with people. Yeah. Like it, it was never really something that occurred to me. And so when I started this, I felt a little bit of that. Yeah. Like, oh man, look at all these people out here yeah. who are professionals at this and do this. But you kind of just have to push those thoughts aside, just like you said, and just do it. You become your own barrier of entry into like your own talents. Exactly, man. It's a lot of that little voice in your head. Yeah. So much of it just telling you, you're not good enough. Yeah. You're not enough. You're not doing this enough. And yo, sometimes I think in like a very rare uh, time, like it might be right. Yeah. 
Yeah. It might not be. I might not be a podcaster. Right. Yeah, I might find it, but that's okay. Yeah. There's no this experience might help me with the next. Yeah, it's just I think life. And I'm, I'm no philosopher or anything, <laughs> so take my like you know words with a grain of salt. But I feel like life is just you're building up on top of different experiences, and right. that's who makes you yeah. who you are. People talk a lot about finding themselves. Yeah, and I I think that's an interesting concept because. I don't think like you ever really find yourself. I don't think there's one day you kind of just wake up and you're like, ah, I have found who I am. I think it's more creating yourself. And I heard this somewhere uh, and I, it stuck with me because yeah. it, life's just, you're just, a, it's a painting and you're just painting every day a little bit. Yeah. You're, you're just adding on to experiences. You're adding another layer. You know, sometimes you have bad days and that's still an experience. You take away from that and like, you try to build off that and without getting too deep because yeah, no, you know it's not it's, that deep <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. really interesting thought though yeah you you, you kind of are i mean i was gonna say just try try things like yeah try what you're into um try whatever i mean as a child i really wanted to play in the nhl yeah um if i didn't go play um you know house league hockey <laughs> i would have never known maybe and i would have always thought but uh you know yeah i realized really early on i wasn't <laughs> I started too late like grade yeah. 7 was too late but yeah, uh, yeah. I think you you got to try different things and Gary and, V talks about that a lot he's like if you're a 20 year old out there right now yeah. you don't know shit go yeah. try a bunch of shit yeah. and it's like it's so pure that message and he's not trying to put anyone down he's literally saying go out try things Yeah. see how you feel if something you're doing it and it kind of lights a bit of a fire yeah. try doing that a bit yeah. more but that's not to say this is it yeah. try it do it more try other things and i think that's like when i first realized like what my passion was like without knowing that it was my passion was just taking different classes in high school so i tried like a computer graphics class i took a yearbook class um just a few others continued that over the years and then i didn't go to school for it but here i am 10 plus years later it's all kind of come back and and i've discovered like okay what i can't ignore what keeps kind of knocking at your own door inside is what you ultimately want to do i guess like for a living and that can that can change and that's okay you can practice one career for five ten years then you can go practice something else and constantly talk to us about that those courses that yearbook course that other course what was it called uh, i think it was just Keep called on. yearbook okay yeah. yeah um i don't remember back in elementary i think it was uh -huh. or high school high school um but yeah there was a graphics design class i just remember a computer lab with max and probably like one of our first interactions with max but were those like, the fat ones the, yeah the, the ones with the ass. color yeah, yeah. yeah I remember always, actually they're always changing i think some were blue white. some yeah. were like green yeah, yeah i remember those and they kept changing with time but uh i just remember playing with different adobe software photoshop uh -huh. dreamweaver and that's where i started making websites but for me it was always spending extra time on every project always asking for an extension because I just wanted to push my own personal learning further. I just genuinely enjoyed it and uh, kind of played with it on my own time at home, like would always have that uh, version of uh, Adobe Suite on your computer. Yeah. And uh, it just never, I guess, like left me. And so finally, like I wanted to learn that, get some formal education, like the theory and, and philosophy behind uh, design. So I'm able to jump into the industry and again like we talked about put away that imposter syndrome but i think the big thing is um the big takeaway was put your work out there get some feedback from others 
and and you'll grow you got to be a little vulnerable yes that's a big thing man you have to be able to put yourself out there a little bit and it's hard because all those doubts and that Mm -hmm. that little voice is going to come back in your head and say man what what the fuck are you doing yeah who's going to look at your website look at all these way more smart talented accomplished people out there who've already done it these are that's all bullshit man so that's what we think Originally, we're going to get a bunch of negative comments, but we'll all be so surprised. You put out your first podcast, you put out your first post on Instagram, and it might be design-related, and just the amount of people that give you that positive affirmation is yeah. just gives you a different high. It fires you up, man. Yeah. And, but that's another thing that, okay, this is where it's hard for me to relate with Gary Vee on, because he talks a lot about, I don't care about those positive voices just as much as I don't care about the negative voices. Like, uh, he claims to be at least completely neutral on this. But me, I love those positive voices. (laughs) Yo, that shit's hype, man. Thank you. Thank you for all the support. And like, but it's very true though because as soon as you get a negative, yo, some of the fuck you're doing, bro. Yo, you know your numbers guy or die. I don't know. Someone says some bullshit and you're going to listen to that. You're going to hear it. You're going to be a man fuck is this guy on? like what's right. he talking about but you're still gonna hear it so i don't know where i was going with that but it's very true like that you have to be vulnerable you have to ignore the voices and just put your shit out there man. yeah if it's something you actually stand behind just put it out and see what people think yeah and i think what he maybe means by like keeping a neutral stance on like his positive and negative is like he doesn't let the positive get himself too relaxed too high yeah yeah, yeah. and just kind of sit back and not continue innovating on his stuff yeah but not getting in the negative and then doubting yourself yeah like either yeah so don't be too emotionally invested in it yeah. try to be a little bit more objective put your things out there but i mean if you believe in 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 your craft then keep going forward because yeah even some of your closest friends might give you some feedback that you know you may disagree with and if you truly like be open and, and take that feedback in but if you truly believe in it some way like then continue just continue that's awesome, man. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about um, UX, UI, what it actually is yeah. and how it applies to uh, daily life for people out there who might not know yeah. what it's about at all. So, I mean, uh, to really, like, maybe break it down so everyone can relate, like, um, the kind of watch this mini documentary and it was on the design of doors. So if you think about, uh, we've all obviously gone through uh, doors on both ends and thinking some doors say push some say pull some have different shapes of handles and you know that's the design of of everyday things and question yourself like is a door a a good design like a car door we always understand we always know we got to pull the knob and it's always going to come the same way it's never going to go inwards but uh in like offices and stuff that we've been in some open both ways and and you never know like yeah. how you inter- uh interact you almost have to do the little p- oh okay yeah. To pull. yeah sometimes you run into a door because you expect it to to go straight through so that's kind of designed at like a uh, very ground level but um practicing in in tech which is what i plan to do it's uh more like product design and digital design so it's how a uh, app in uh interacts with people kind of how they feel while they're using it but also you know is it easy for them to use I like that a lot, man. And I remember you talking uh, to us while we were out at dinner. Uh, we were talking a little bit about just like every everything from the fonts yeah. that people use to how how people swipe through an app yeah. and just everything. It's things we as just the end user don't think about. Yeah. It's not something we actively yeah. think about. But 
you're always thinking yeah. about it. Talk to me about some examples of some things that might not blow people's mind, but just you might become a little more cognizant about yeah. it. Yeah. So I mean, it's uh, becomes more apparent when you put multiple colors and, and multiple fonts um, kind of together or side by side, I should say. Um, and if you ever see those like things on the internet where imagine if Coca-Cola and Pepsi swap colors and swap symbols or whatever, uh, how would someone feel? So like we know a brand to be a certain color and a certain shape. That's just branding over time. But um, fonts and typography are all to kind of bring out the certain emotion. So something maybe we've all used Airbnb. It is that orangey red for a reason because it kind of brings out a certain mood. If it was really, I don't know, let's say like homey. Yeah. Yeah. And if it was like black or if the app was really dark yeah it wouldn't kind of feel very inviting yeah same with uber you're talking about like their font is that font for a reason yeah it's like i don't know what that reason is but it makes you i guess associate it with this service this yeah. uh you know and this like things gonna pick me up and drop me off i don't yeah. know but the, like at the the heart of it all like they've got a team that people sit together and it might be for days and days and they just go back and forth on the ideation of like what does the brand like need to look like? Um, like even for my my own kind of project that I worked on uh, through the twelve week boot camp, um, I've sat through like this font library, and I narrowed down like three four hundred fonts down to like maybe eight. And finally, brought that down to like four, and then you test them all out, and you notice things like ah, the T is too sharp, mm. the U is too round, or I'm or really bad things. at this, bro. <laughs> I, I suck at this because. I started out when I started off my podcast. I had this font called Permanent Marker. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah. I thought it was dope. Yeah, like, oh, this is sick. This looks kind of yeah. goofy and funny. And I literally got feedback from people, good friends of mine, yeah. who were like, "Don't fucking use this. <laughs> this is not like this does not look professional right. at all. It looks like a joke. Like you're you're putting out these captions that are all serious, and it gives off a joke. I'm right. like, oh shit, okay. So I change it. I go to like Helvetica. I'm like, dude get more feedback this is so boring everyone right. uses helvetica yeah. for everything i'm like bro i just don't get this font yeah. stuff <laughs> I, there's hundreds there's thousands there's of them so many and i'm just going through like now i'm overthinking every font that i put for every caption of yeah. every video i'm just like how are people going to yeah. uh respond with this and i just suck at it it's not my not my area of expertise for me like it started with uh what we call mood board and inspiration board and again going back to the emotion you want to convey and then it's like, okay, like when you put it all together, your colors and your fonts, does it match like, you know, the hominess of Airbnb or like, you know, the transportation of Uber or whatever it might be. So I remember being a kid though, like kind of similar, you'd just download these random fonts like, ooh, that's a Star Wars font because I might need this one day. Yeah. But you have no need for it ever. But no. um, it was just fun to download fonts back in the day. Yeah, man. Yeah. And like importing them into like Final Cut Pro and, and me, I'm like playing around yeah. with just putting them on different sizes for different, like an Instagram yeah. story versus an Instagram post. Yeah. Uh, and, and making sure that the font doesn't cut off when yeah. I make it a preview. These are just things I never had to think about yeah. when I was just Snapchatting my food, you know? Yeah. So going from being the, um, you know, the consumer to the producer yeah. of the content, it's been kind of a massive mind shift for me and just like, okay, whatever I'm putting out, it's like, and this is the power of social media, which is kind of like the next thing I want to talk to you a little bit about, but like, Everything that I put out, and this is not to sound like cocky or anything, like I, I ain't yeah. shit yet, but everything that I put out, hundreds of people are 
engaging with it and it's like um i'm sitting in a room with them when they when they yeah. click a story or yeah. when they see a, a post even though i'm not in the room yeah. with them when someone's watching this it's like it's i'm personal. engaging with them it's personal to yeah. them when, however they consume it and i it's almost like a responsibility in a weird way it's like i want to give them the best experience that they yeah that they can possibly have that i can control in this situation so whether it be a tweet or a facebook post or something it takes time it takes energy you yeah. actually have to think about how yeah. am i going to be and i'm not good at this yet yeah. i'm still experimenting and trying different things and stuff like that but let's talk a little bit about like the power of social media and just how um you know people are a fly on the wall they're going to be watching yeah. this conversation they're going to feel like they're here yeah let's talk about that a little yeah. bit social media is a it's a crazy thing i mean i've got my love and hate for it um so i practice uh photography mm -hmm. as my, one of my hobbies and in, in my free time so there used to be other places to put out your photography but they're not really popular anymore and and again like it's Flickr, not a, like, yeah Flickr, yeah. facebook used to be a place uh -huh. you post your photos and some people still do and, then, and that's fine but um it's instagram's kind of become the go-to spot to to get that like feedback um from like the the general face or instagram population and and your friends and family um I battle with like whether I care for the likes or, or don't. Um, obviously, they've kind of hidden them at least for Canada and maybe the U.S. But um, to right me, now it's I, just Canada, I think. Okay. Yeah. And for me, it's it's more like that challenge from a, I guess a marketing standpoint. Like, can I get my engagement higher than last time? Um, but that's I mean, I know a lot of tech companies right now like their whole angle has become like tech health so like ethical uses of health, uh, uh tech and and how often we spend on these apps so screen I think, time's a big thing it's yeah. a huge feature on apple uh ios now and if you think about like when i was 18 like i never had i had a phone when i turned 18 yeah. and obviously no apps back then but um <laughs> you had to text with the with the seven yeah, seven 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and i wonder how many people know what t9 texting is now right yeah. it's uh, funny to talk about but yeah it's like things have changed like so much um but and they're going to continue to change yeah. so that's the thing if you were to have kids today would you limit their use of instagram would you let them have an account if they're let's say you have a 10 year old right now yeah uh would you let him have instagram or him or her have instagram because all their friends have instagram or would you be like no man you're too young for this app yeah. it has psychological impacts you compare yourself to others it uh you know it can allow yeah. you to uh you know compare your life to others they're only posting the best parts yeah. of their day right yeah. it definitely becomes like that um kind of stereotypical of like oh he has it she has it i want it to like when it was just about toys and now it's just more visual like i've got a bunch of younger cousins that have snapchat and and whatnot like on on one hand like they are the target market with all these like new apps coming out but it's i would want to say maybe like apply the same method i had didn't have a phone or a device till like 18 but uh, that might be short-sighted and 
and like who knows what it's like like can you actually stop your kids from i'm from not having, sure man like, i remember you talk about that cell phone i remember when i got my first cell phone i had like this brick nokia yeah and i think i had it limited the number of texts i could send like uh, the plan yeah. and i had to make calls after six and i had yeah. to, all these yeah. weird games yeah. that now it's all eliminated yeah. and now i think the only barrier is how much data you have right that's pretty much the only thing that really matters now and i think that soon won't even be a thing imagine yeah. when 5g comes around right. and becomes the infrastructure like you can't have limits on yeah. the data because one netflix movie will destroy your i think also uh, our era we were mostly more computer people too we just hopped on msn and yeah. like whatever else was around oh, yeah. back then so that was our like i guess communication but i definitely believe like there is some sort of negativity we spend more time looking at a screen than we do uh, just spending like outside yeah and, like so many kids do that or always have ipads with them yeah um i think yeah there's there's got to be something negative about that no there definitely is I'm, and i'm not saying that i i'm not part of it yeah no. <laughs> I, I use it and i love it and it's great but it's, i think we're also one of the last generations to have lived before that and so yeah. i think we're a little bit more um you know we recognize hey yeah. man let me just turn my phone on airplane mode and go yeah. go do this hike or do, yeah. go do this thing or whatever. We're a little bit more aware of the impacts. And I think a lot of people go on these kind of social media cleanses. Yeah. I think it's going to be a big thing. If you want to start a business right now, open up a detox center for social right. media. You lock up people's phones or there's some like, shit, go on a retreat. I don't know. Then there's like <laughs> tech retreats. Yeah. yeah like I, I'm just, pretty, <laughs> you just don't bring your phone or whatever it is you put in a... A basket i mean you probably how, feel great after yeah but does it feel kind of sad to say that we feel great like after we put our phone away from even when you go to a comedy show yeah your phone has to go up, in a yeah. lock bag um for two hours three hours and you come out saying like that was great like i didn't sometimes yeah. you just pick up your phone just because yeah out of habit oh dude i'm in a lineup at a grocery store before yeah. uh, before this podcast and i'm just like God, this lineup so long. Let's just go on Instagram. Yeah. I didn't think this was yeah. not my thought process. I just did it. Yeah. I um, checked my email at the same time. I flipped over. What's Facebook saying? Yeah. I don't care what anyone's saying on Facebook, <laughs> but I'm on it. To that point, uh, Aziz uh, Ansari, the comedian, said a, a really kind of cool statement once. He was like, if you skip a day on your social media, Facebook, let's say, and do you print out? and bind together like the previous day or weeks like worth of facebook posts and read it it doesn't matter it's it's yeah. not like the newspaper and yeah you could skip a month and you wouldn't have missed anything impactful it's the information diet yeah that we kind of have to become a little bit more aware of yeah. just collectively like me personally i don't watch the news yeah same i just i have no need for it it's mostly negativity and it just doesn't yeah most of the time 99% of the time does not affect my day-to-day -day life right. at all um, there is a place you know to be aware about world issues and whatnot and that's fine but man but I just other don't ways to get that information there's other ways too. to get that exactly and but I it's this delicate balance though man we're like we're in an ever-connected society you can hit up anybody at any time anywhere across the world yeah. you know we don't need to get a calling card to make a no. long distance phone call <laughs> what the hell happened to that industry yeah. I, I could just whatsapp someone from like china or yeah. I, anywhere like you know what i'm saying like yeah. maybe not china i'm not sure if they have whatsapp i think they have but, WeChat. Like, but yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah. like so it's like i don't know we're we're so connected but i don't think people have ever been more lonely like yeah. 
I actually think it's an epidemic. Like you see all this um, mental health issues yeah. and stuff like that. Like I'm no expert on this stuff. I have no qualification mm -hmm. to actually talk about it. But just from the standpoint of like, you know, people having anxiety and depression and all these different uh, disorders, I don't think that going on social media and all these apps and all these cool things that are making our lives better right. and more efficient is actually helping that issue right. so i'm not sure i'm not sure the future it's going to be very interesting to see how yeah. governments deal with it as well because um uh, i don't think a government organization is the answer either yeah. because how, who's to say that i mean you saw that mark zuckerberg going in front of the senate or something yeah. did there was a joke they didn't even understand like what facebook really right. was or right. what it was about yeah so do you want those guys making laws of how yeah. we should use social media i don't know i don't have the answers right it's kind of the wild west right now but yeah. you see europe putting some more consumer protection laws in and stuff like that it's a changing time but it's just i don't know where it's gonna go the future yeah. of it is very interesting man yeah but coming back to the whole information diet thing what are some uh practical things you do in your daily life to kind of uh stay focused stay on task on things that are important to you get in your flow state so i mean i'm constantly working at it as well i wouldn't say like i'm perfect i would say i'm pretty far from perfect but uh I think something I'm trying to practice is just waking up early, like, and then my struggle with waking up early is, is not the waking up part, it's getting to bed on time, yep. but I just think you got to find, like, your optimal time where where you work best, so, you know, that could even be early in the morning and, and late, late at night, so just finding a way to, to make that work. Uh, it's going to be different for everyone, though, because you got different commitments, so if you work a, a typical 9 to 5, then, then you got to find something that kind of works around it, um, yeah. and other things, too, like, going to the gym, like, that I find that energizes me, so I'm trying to do that in the morning as well, um, too. Nice. And and eventually like find that optimal kind of flow space for sure. I like that. I like that a lot, man. Uh, just you know, those are practical, actual yeah. tips for how to do it. I like that a lot. Um, you also are a coffee fanatic. You yeah. like coffee <laughs> as well, so I'm sure that helps with your early mornings. Talk yeah. to us briefly a little bit about that. Uh, what's some of your favorite coffees? Let's lighten the mood a bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, what kind of coffee do you drink? That kind of stuff. Yeah. So I mean, Vancouver is a is a huge coffee culture. I think it kind of comes from being uh, just north of Seattle, where Starbucks kind of started out. Um, not not a paid promo there. But, uh, <laughs> No, uh, actually wasn't a big coffee person until, uh, oddly enough, like my first startup job, um, we had a big like kind of espresso machine there. So I was taught how to make, uh, I think lattes back then. So nice. that's where it started for me. I didn't originally like the taste of coffee. It was actually despised it a little bit, but, uh, <laughs> most people do. It's so bitter. And yeah. It's like, why would I drink this? And then, uh, I guess like once you started making lattes and mixing in some milk and whatnot, um, it just like kind of really got addicted to it i just now love the taste of it so yeah. um we got a bunch of shops in uh vancouver that i love like um we've talked about it off air but um kind of my favorite shop is in san francisco um it's called blue bottle and like they just i originally i, I was uh, actually another podcaster who ended up getting a job at uh, google ventures and they invested in um blue bottle coffee yeah and uh it was just weird to me. Why would Google be investing in a coffee shop? So yeah. I kind of went there on that premise. 
um, but fell in love and just was like the best tasting coffee I've ever had. That's sweet, man. Yeah. I got to try it out. You do. Yeah, I got to check it out for yeah. sure. Uh, we have some coffee shops here in Ottawa yeah. and in this area as well, but it's nowhere near that level, <laughs> man. And when I hit up Seattle as well, I saw that that was a thing. Yeah, it's a, that's a, huge, that's a big huge culture. Thing. Yeah. yeah, love that. Um, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned podcasts a bit. What are some of your favorite podcasts to consume? How yeah. do you consume them? And yeah. Um, well, it is uh, NFL season's back, so definitely a couple of those fantasy football podcasts have made it back onto my list. Nice. Uh, there's like a Yahoo fantasy football podcast. Um, but definitely a lot of like motivation, self-help ones. Um, I've listened to Jay Shetty podcast. There's also the Gary Vaynerchuk podcast. Um, got a couple cool design ones. Um, there's one from Adobe called Mixed Methods. So anyone looking to kind of find some design-related podcasts, I knew I had to ask for those too. Um, there's a really good one from a company called Envision called Design Better. Okay. They talk a lot about a lot of different topics in design and could just be company and company structure and kind of workflow as well so those are cool and finally there's just uh, a couple fun ones like one's called reply all and uh one's called why'd you push that button and they actually talk about some of these uh social media kind of nuances and kind of what would you do and how do you use this app and that type of thing i like that a lot yeah. man i gotta add that one to the list it yeah. sounds super interesting when you told me about it before um, yeah, man, podcasting, it, it's a it's an interesting world, man, because you can literally learn things while you're driving, yeah. while you're at the yeah. gym, while you're doing dishes, yeah. while you're doing whatever you want. Uh, what's your favorite way to consume? Uh, definitely driving, driving in the gym. And if I'm taking the train uh, back and forth to work or school, like uh, there, about a good half an hour like each way as well. So That's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, you're probably a little too humble to bring this up, but you do own a Tesla. So let's talk about this a bit, man, because yeah. I think the viewers would love to hear about uh, what that's like, what yeah. made you buy one, how the experience has been, and yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, it kind of became, I think, a dream car of mine. I think it's a dream car for like a, a tech nerd, I'll, I'll oh, say. Yeah. Um, so it's it's like, I guess, like just an iPhone on, on wheels in a sense. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it used to be someone who... I think my, like, I always wanted something that was, like, different, that wasn't, like, mass market. I mean, obviously, a Tesla is mass market, but uh, it used to be kind of like an Aston Martin or something. But as you get older and you kind of want to be responsible in a sense, too, you just kind of realize, like, those things, like, the, the maintenance on, on, like, a gas vehicle like that are just, like, just horrible. Yeah. So um, just the, also just getting more inclined with, okay, like, electrical vehicle, it's kind of the future. It's a good thing to be green as well, yeah. you know. Why it's not, not only the future, man. Like I watched this documentary. I think it was Who Killed the Electric Car, right. and the first yeah. ever like car made cars like models yeah. were all electric. Right. And then you know, obviously, all the oil and gas companies yeah. and whatnot, and the car companies came in. were like, fuck all that. Like yeah. we have all this profit we could make. And then you know, little cities were like redesigned to accommodate highways freeways cars instead of mm. you know trams electrical right. uh, systems and electric cars yeah. so i think the car should have pro uh, always been electric and imagine what the technology would yeah. be at today if that had been the case yeah. so i think it's a great step in the right direction i'm one of those people uh, who dreams about having yeah. a tesla 
I can't wait until you know I get even like by the time I can afford yeah. one. Uh, like the there's even more mileage per charge, and yeah. like you know they they work out some of the kinks. It yeah. can drive itself completely. It's yeah. already almost pretty much there, which is nuts, man. Yeah, it's it's there on the highway for sure. And yeah, it just makes like it makes the experience so much more enjoyable. Yeah. Um, and I think you just get like less tired too. Like I've done it from Seattle back to like Vancouver and oh, just let it like it was raining really hard one day. And I think the car could see better than I could see. So I just let it do its thing. And, and for sure, the first few times it's a little nerve wracking because it's this brand new technology. You're letting it like do the driving for you. Yeah, but, man. Um, no, nah, I think it does it. But really the great. argument is like to me, at least like and all the statistics show that it's safer than a human. Yeah. yeah. It's Better it's working time. way harder and yeah. faster at all times. Yeah. Six uh, pairs of eyes or whatnot. Yeah, that's nuts, man. And I can't wait until self driving cars expands way beyond that. The the most kind of uh goosebump thing that I've heard was uh Lexus had a commercial and I think it may have been around the Super Bowl or whatnot, but they said um in the commercial their tagline was drive while you still can. Ooh. And that kind of sat deep with me. I was like That's kinda eerie. They might ban like a steering wheel in a vehicle at, at oh, some point in the future, shit. five, ten I years from never now. I thought about that. Yeah. That's creepy. Like we know we can drive and a lot of us enjoy actual driving yeah like i will still drive and whatnot it might fun. be it might become like a, a private yeah. license thing yeah. like you'll have to actually like it might oh my god but if the be... car doesn't have a steering wheel let's say just four seats six but then seats. what are we going to do with all the existing cars that are on the road right, right. now yeah. How, like people aren't just going to give up their cars like it's like asking for people to turn in their guns right but this is way more personal and has way more utility. Yeah. This is something that people rely on on a day-to-day yeah. -day basis. You have cars from the 1970s and 60s that yeah. people are still driving, right. still working. Yeah. So I don't, like, it, it's definitely a little creepy yeah. to think about that. And definitely one day, I don't know when, yeah. that's a possibility that steering wheels are not a thing. But I think that's a little bit more black mirror yeah. Then, you know, then reality because but even, I, uh, I think Paris, I think, is one of the cities that have come out. And I know Vancouver has an initi initiative. I want to guess it's around the year 2040. They want to go all green by then. That's and that's interesting. Yeah, it's the same question of where do all the gas vehicles go? What do you do with them? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you trade it in for a credit towards a. Yeah. I don't know, maybe a, a yearly subscription. Like people probably won't need to own cars, right? Yeah. It'll probably be a select amount of companies right. that have a fleet of these, almost like an Uber. I yeah. I think the best example would be Uber. Tesla right? wants to do it as well. I think it's called like Tesla Tesla Taxi or something, where you take your existing car, you can put it on their network, and once it's able to fully self drive, it will act like Uber but with no driver. And it picks That's up and drops nuts. off people. So while you're working, yeah. say nine to five or even at home working on your creative stuff and your car's driving around making you money. Yeah. So now you buy one, you buy three, so on and so forth. I think the, the the most realistic way to be able to do that right now, and I don't know if there's technology out there that do this, is to outfit your existing vehicle right. to self-drive yeah i don't know if that that could be a thing it's definitely not electric but i don't know maybe 
maybe someone out there comes up with yeah. something that's like take your civic and like yeah. hey man we're just gonna make it drive itself somehow yeah. cruise controls there so you know yeah. just a few You're more you know <laughs> just a few more sensors couple and gopros yeah exactly i don't know it, it's very interesting to th- talk about future of this kind of stuff yeah. what do you think is like an industry that's bound to be disrupted very soon in the near future Ooh, um I mean, like banking's being disrupted. I think yeah. right now, like fintech is is pretty big. Well, you simple, got Cash like, App, you got yeah. Venmo, these kinds of big ones. Kind um, of. It's kind of, I guess, like where AI and like um, data science is going to go next. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think, what industry will get disrupted next? You don't have to have an answer because it's so open ended, right? Yeah. But just like if you were so, to take one industry right now that you just think is just so inefficient, like this is just done so horribly. It, uh, to me, I think one thing that's going to be disrupted, me personally, is voting. Just it's not yeah. an industry, but it's how we, it's something that's part of most democracies. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't vote. A lot of people not don't want to go sit uh, in a lineup. So maybe blockchain voting or some kind of method for you to be able to yeah. securely uh, vote from your phone or something. I don't know how it's going to yeah. work. That'd be really I'm cool. Not the, I'm not the guy, but there's definitely it's, something that needs to be changed because I don't want to go stand up in a line. Yeah. I might advance vote through the mail because I'm that lazy. Like Oh, I think it's just like one like the younger generation is just not in tune with what's going on a lot of us don't have cable so we don't hear the debates and we don't look for them so i think and even if you do watch it what are you really taking away from it right like it's yeah it's all orchestrated yeah it's like and it's mostly just marketing messages it's a like yeah. commercial in a debate form yeah and then i mean i know when i had to go vote for the first time i didn't understand the process because you're voting for someone in your neighborhood which ultimately votes for who you, what party you want to yeah. put in. But, I mean, yeah, that's a whole thing. It's so weird. Yeah. Uh, like, I think, what is it called? First past the post system here in Canada. Yeah. Something like that. I remember I went, like, to wait in line. And I got really close to go. And they're like, well, you need two pieces of ID. I'm like, well, I, I got one. Yeah. So I can't <laughs> vote. <laughs> it's like, no, you need two. I'm like, all right, bro. I, I left. I didn't vote. Yeah. I'm not proud of this. But I was like, I'm not going to go back, get my ID, come back, just, and wait uh, in line again. So yeah. I remember, like, right then and there, I was like, there needs to be a better way. Yeah. There, but there's so many industries and stuff that, like, are just, like, come on, man. Yeah. You could do this better. Blockchain's, like, a huge thing. I mean, I understand maybe even less than 1% of it, but. Um, what I do understand, I guess it's just like a secure transfer of information. So, yeah, applying that to voting would be super, super cool. I would love to be able to vote from an app, a phone. Like, I mean, I guess the same way you log in to see your taxes, why not vote the same way? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why not. Um, do you uh, participate, without getting into too much detail, into these um e-coins uh, uh crypto crypto yeah. cryptocurrencies and stuff like I, that uh, the word honestly, wasn't coming to me thanks yeah honestly haven't uh haven't really believed in it like i believe in the uh the underlying technology yeah, the underlying technology. yeah, yeah but not the exact not a specific coin itself i believe in and this is what i heard once is if you can't use it for everyday items then really what is its true value? Like if you can't use a coin like at uh, say Tim Hortons or whatever yeah. to get your morning coffee, uh-huh. then like, then how do you like, right. how do you assign a value to it? So, right. But I mean, playing devil's advocate when, you know, someone 
at one point in history they probably went from a gold coin yeah. to a piece of paper yeah. and people probably thought that piece of paper is absolutely ridiculous and then for the longest time they phased the paper in but it was backed by right. gold and then it was no longer backed by gold and now we all just use the paper right and I trust the paper i think you? because yeah. crypto just doesn't have something to back it there right. was what it was kind of like a stock in the sense of whatever the previous person is is willing to pay for it so yeah i mean it's it's seen kind of a, a mini crash i guess or just kind of like leveled out i mean I, I just need some sort of like foundation i think we will go towards like some sort of digital currency actually a friend, yeah a friend told me recently where we've got something like 60 trillion dollar dollars in the world but only six trillion is actually physical. Oh, wow. So about fifty-four trillion or eighty, eighty-five percent is already kind of just digital yeah. numbers in our bank accounts. But uh, oh, that's a crazy stat. I did not know that, yeah. man. Shout out to the fractional reserve system, <laughs> man. Lending out money that does not exist. Uh, yeah, that's awesome, man. I I think more people need to learn about uh, these kinds of things, yeah. and someone's gonna come up with a way for us to actually use it as an exchange of value I think so, yeah i just don't know how right. <laughs> it's, it's very interesting man is there anything uh in in our chat that i didn't really cover that you're interested in that you're passionate about that you want to discuss talk to the viewers about i think we've actually covered quite a bit more yeah. than uh more than i thought we've been covering <laughs> it's been really great chatting that's awesome man yeah. it's great to have you on the podcast yeah, but we're not done just yet we're gonna do a lightning round okay. before i let you go um just a few questions don't feel rushed to answer but you know try to keep it pretty yeah. succinct um so the first question that i have for you is what's your favorite nfl team i gotta go with the atlanta falcons atlanta falcons you like that julio jones getting yeah. paid I love Julio Jones. I love the I I like the Falcons. Not a huge Matt Ryan guy. Okay. I just feel like he's Fair very enough. inconsistent. Great quarterback, <laughs> but Matt Ryan, man, he flopped when it mattered against my pass, <laughs> you know. Uh that's that's a good answer. Um what's one thing you think everybody overlooks about app design? Uh I think people definitely overlook uh, the spacing between between elements okay so yeah. you know if you have things too close to each other yeah it's uh it's kind of the grouping and breathability of like content nice i like that word breathability it, yeah. it makes a lot of sense you're you're swiping through an app yeah. or something you don't want it to be cluttered and yeah. too much going on yeah. you, you gotta, might not use the app as much your eyes got to be able to scan things easily and and read things easily i like that a lot uh, what's a bad piece of advice out there that you hear people giving younger folks? Ooh, bad, bad advice. Um, I think, uh, in, in like bigger cities like, um, San Francisco, Vancouver, Toronto, where like housing is really ex uh, expensive, um, making such a, like a highly held goal that you have to buy like a house. I you think. must own property yeah. or you didn't make it. If, if you're always taught that, I mean, it doesn't, the numbers don't always make sense to do that. So. Yeah, I like that answer. Um, what is your favorite late night eats in Vancouver? Favorite late night eats? Um, your go-to spot, man. Where uh, I mean, it may not be open past nine, but uh, got a shout out to Download Chicken. Download Chicken. Uh, you got to visit it while you were there. I'm pretty sure I did. Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah that's awesome, man. I recommend it as well. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's open late, but 
still answers the question. Uh, last and final uh, lightning round question before I let you go. Any advice for a 17-year-old version of yourself? Yeah, definitely uh, go after kind of as cliche as it might sound, but like whatever you're passionate about. So kind of the subject that you're most in interested in. It. Even if you don't go to school for it, just keep practicing it in, uh, in your free time and, and just work at that. Love it, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Can't wait to have you back on the yeah, podcast. This is a great me. discussion. And uh, just remember, it's not that deep. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Thanks. I really enjoyed that conversation with Summit, and I hope you did as well. I hope you got some value from it. And if you did, consider contributing to my Patreon page. Share it on all your social media platforms. Uh, subscribe, leave a rating, and just remember, it's not that deep.